Today I'm going to talk about burnout because very honestly, I'm burnt out. It has been a very long season and as I move into winter, I'm excited to pursue some slightly different things. So if you feel a little burnt out, you're not alone. Burnout is the state of exhaustion brought about by overstress, and that stress can come from anywhere, be it work or family stuff or training. And as much as we use running for escape, it does contribute to that stress. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk about six ways that we can use running positively and try and avoid burnout so that we can keep doing this sport for as long as you want to. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. We are live. So first, before we get started, to all of you who have like either created or like regularly watch Tiny Humans, is it just me or like do they sound the same when they're playing as they do when they're being murdered? Like there were children out, outside, the kids next door, and it just sounded like pirates were taking over the neighborhood or something. And I had this experience when I was like teaching kids in Korea too. A kid broke his arm in my class and I didn't notice for like 10 seconds because the noise did not change. I was working on lesson plans and they were playing over here and no change in volume. Somebody had to come over and like tap me <laughs> and we had to go like check it out. Melissa, my house daily, you have six kids. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. It's nice to know it's not just me uh, as someone who doesn't own children. It sounds absurd. Anyway, um, let's talk about burnout. So I'm full disclosure kind of burnout of training. I knew I was going to get burnout from this training cycle. It's not a surprise. Like it, I saw it coming from a year ago. Like it's not, not shocking. Uh, let's talk about what burnout is. First, it's just emotional exhaustion. You don't have a lot left to give because you've given so much. There's just not much more that you can put into it, right? And it can be training, it can be your job, can be your household, whatever. We also have a, some aspect of depersonalization. So your um, there is no personal commitment anymore. It's just this thing that you have to do. It's like not completely connected to who you are. We just have this like vacant existence that you're trying to work towards. And then finally, there's this decreased sense of accomplishment where even if the things that you're doing feel like they matter or matter on paper or whatever, it doesn't matter much to you anymore. And this is where we're feeling with burnout. We can see this in, again, household, training, office setting. People are getting burnout all the time and should probably address it because if you're getting burnt out, you're not going to last all that long. And multiple things lead to it. So we're going to talk about like six things that you can do to try and head it off at the past. The sixth one is my favorite one. Um, first, though, what leads to it? Well, for one, like this myopic focus. If you have 
little variation, the same thing in, like day in, day out. And that leads to this just like lack of joy or feeling of obligation or a lack of choice. You're going, you're going to get burnt out. Remember, you never have to run. Which, and like, this is why I'm so big on like off seasons and why I'm personally pretty excited to go into winter. I'm going to keep up some running. I'm going to try some cross-country skiing. I might try and get up the backcountry depending on how the snow is. But I'm not going to be running as much as I am right now. I'm going to lift a lot more heavy weights. I'm going to climb more. I'm going to do stuff that might help my running for next year. Some of it won't at all, for being really honest. But I'm going to take a break from training. Doing running, like running or having fun runs or going out with your run group and training are not always the same thing. So if you're going into winter and you're feeling kind of burnt out, switch it up a bit. Spend some time getting stronger. Do some other type of activity like jujitsu or join a climbing gym or whatever. Join all the European ultra runners and do schemo the entire winter. Switch it up. And if we look at like the other thing is it's inextricably related to stress. You're not going to get burnt out unless what you're doing is stressful. And we see this in ultra running because running is tight, is inherently stressful. It can like give you a break. It can be meditative for you. It can be therapeutic for you, but it is definitionally stressful because it is a work that you're putting into your body that you have to recover from. So as much as many of us like use running as a way to de-stress from daily life and jobs and chores and all these things, we also need to remember that you need to recover. So there are many reasons why activity is actually super helpful for stress management. But if you go do a like brutal VO2 max workout and finish just in time to like rinse off, barely like use soap, and speed off to work and run like three stop signs on the way. That's just going to compound your stress. That training did not reduce your stress. We have to have at least a minute at the end of it to like collect ourselves and reset. And the more stressful the training was, the more important that little section was. I talked about this for briefly when I talked about training camps. Like one of the reasons you can put a week of training until like two or three days is because at the end of all of those training sessions, you need to take like 30, 40 minutes to actually like decompress, reset, get your recovery food and like collect yourself. If you don't have that on the daily basis, that would make sense. But we need to at least take a moment or else all we're going to do is keep compounding stress with our training. Don't need a 45 minute come down, but like 30, 30 seconds, five minutes take a little bit of time. Now, other things that are going to play a huge role in burnout. One is going to be social connection. And this is like one of the hard parts of ultra running. Ultra running can be lonely. Even if you're out there with people, you'll often spend a lot of time alone. And if you're really trying to improve, then your training might diverge from your running groups or you do your own thing. And like even crotchety introverts like me need people in our lives. So for me, I actually like the solitude of trail running. I have a good amount of human connection. My job on the daily, like all of them, are very public facing. So running in the woods 
or not, but specifically in the woods, is a very, like, it's a time I get to be, like, my weird self and let my brain do its weird thing. For others, it's the exact opposite. Like, running is a social event, and as you, like, crank the miles to pursue your goals, it can become, it's like community, this very tight-knit connection. It doesn't have to be, but, like, running can be this big social point for people. And running also doesn't have to be your only social thing. We just need human connection. It's not that the running has to be social. It's that if you have nothing to connect and relate to and, like, people in your life, then you're going to burn out because you have nowhere to, like, get that particular necessity of humans. Right? And we need deep, real connection, too. It can be a partner. It can be a friend. It can be a running buddy. Like, every week or two, I have a, like, standing hour-long phone call with a friend. I go climbing with another friend. Like, again, very introverted. I chose to work in the middle of the night alone, driving machine at a ski resort, and I loved it. But I still, like, have my connection outlets. You need that. If all you do is run, primarily solo, and work with people who you don't truly connect with, and you haven't been getting along with your like partner or husband or wife or whatever very well, then you're probably going to struggle. And this is one of the reasons I think people are so close to their running groups. When you're out there running together, training, gathering a few times per week, you talk about real stuff. I haven't had too many consistent training partners like very often in my life, but the few I've had, like we've gotten very close, talked about real stuff and most of us know what we talk about on the trail, like more or less stays on the trail. So it's a very safe space where you get to hash stuff out and like work on your real life. People matter. And even even to those like even to those of us who are like pretty self-identified weirdos. Right. And if you don't have a current form of deep human connection, someone with whom you can talk about your deepest thoughts and they're not going to judge you and you're not worried about them judging you, then the best thing you can hope for is burnout. You're probably going to reach something more like depression or something like that. We need that outlet. Another thing that's going to push you towards burnout is poor goal selection. So from more of a training perspective, we need to choose appropriate and not just achievable goals. This is a very like real distinction we should probably make more often. Is your goal actually appropriate or is it just achievable? And what would really make you happier, right? Like, do you want to run that longer distance or do you want to get better at a shorter distance and why? Like, I've been very honest that from an athlete side of me, building to this 50 miler in a year probably was not my best choice. In fact, I know for a fact it wasn't. A year ago, I struggled to like string a couple miles together. I struggled with asthma. I have a pretty long history of injuries. I do have a huge history of strength training, which is why I thought it would be achievable. I was not worried about stress fractures due to all the bone density, but it was a very quick build for what I'm trying to do. And it was a pretty guaranteed path to burnout if I was going to perform like I wanted to. And I needed to completely change my training. I had to give up some things I love. I need to allow my body to change in ways I didn't exactly like, which is super fun for me when you have body dysmorphia and don't really like my body anyway. So I did it because I wanted to become a better coach, right? Like that was actually my driving force. And I love coaching ultra runners. I knew there was no better way to test things that I wanted to test and do 
and to just go big. So I did. And I picked an achievable, ridiculous goal when a 50K would have actually been an appropriate goal from an athletic standpoint. So if you're looking at your athletic calendar, ask yourself, like, why do I want this goal? Is it actually appropriate? Am I rushing? Am I just doing this to knock it off a bucket list somehow? Or am I looking to get better at running? And am I looking to get better at running for the long term? Do you actually care about the race? Do you actually care about the distance? Like, is your goal an appropriate thing for you to pursue? I mean, if you run a marathon, you can run a 50K. It's not that big of a difference. You're going to need to figure out your nutrition and hydration. You might need to, like, probably not pick the speed goat that has, like, 11,000 feet of elevation. Instead, like, pick something a little flatter. But you can finish it. You can probably finish a 50-miler as long as you slow down and take your fuel seriously. But, like, is that a thing you actually want to do? And why? And then the other thing to consider about appropriateness is not just your physical and, like, mental capacity. It's will you be peaking at a time that something else big is going on in your life, like a move or a wedding or a baby? If so, are you willing to have to skip out on large chunks of planning those big life aspects. And if not, don't do that. And if your partner, and then if you are, like, will your partner be okay with you doing that? Or is that going to create a lot of problems? You need to talk to yourself and ask your goal, and ask yourself, like, is your goal actually appropriate? Which flows pretty neatly into number three, which is purpose. Like, why? Again, like when I back to me and my coaching. Like when I got a job in fitness, it was because of my dad. He had died recently and I was looking for a career change. And I've always been very like interested in food and I wanted to pursue helping people with nutrition. And nobody wants to talk to you about nutrition unless they, unless you talk to them about training. So I became a personal trainer and made that pursuit like towards the, like the health and fitness sphere. And as you do when you start in fitness, you tend to quickly talk about fat loss. And I hated every second of it. <laughs> I hate talking about fat loss because it's not helpful for the most part. And I would bet someone listening to this or watching this has already had some sort of reaction to the sheer like word fat. We hear so much about fat and fat loss that it has basically become a dirty word. And I'd like to say it's not. Like, if you're fat and you know you're fat, if you don't want to be, then, like, you know you don't want to be. If you are and you're fine with it and you've done a lot, then power to you. You have done a lot of work and told the world to screw off literally a 100 times per day. But it's body fat. It's not a swastika tattoo. You're not a terrorist because you're fat. And yet we look at it in such, like, a myriad of insane ways. And I rarely see anybody being completely honest about it. Because it doesn't sell well. Like, let's be real. If you have a lot of body fat, people are going to judge you and it's not fair. I've been there. But it's not fair. Period. And if you want to lose it, great. If you don't, also great. But personally, as someone who has, like, had this conversation often, I could not possibly care less about someone's personal choice when it comes to body fat. But... If you have a lot of, like, subcutaneous fat, the fat you can grab. Like, if you flex your midsection and grab the fat on the outside, that is your subcutaneous fat. It's, like, under your skin, in between your skin and your muscle. 
And it's not all that unhealthy. It has some minor hormonal effects. It's more likely to like aromatize testosterone into estrogen and shift some other hormones around. But beyond that, it's not the like murderous killer, that thing that we often like make it out to be in the, fit in the fitness industry. That would be visceral fat, which is the fat in and around your organs. So when surgeons, like if a surgeon cuts you open, they can see your visceral fat. Like it's, it's apparent. If you have ever um, seen like a kidney on an animal, the, the fat around there is visceral fat. And if you have a lot of subcutaneous fat, then you likely have a good amount of visceral fat too. You have a genetic like predisposition on your ability to hold subcutaneous fat. And once that starts to top out, if you keep getting bigger, then you're going to store fat around your organs, which causes health problems. Everybody's different here. And for most people, they're pretty linked, but not for everybody. And you can have a good amount of subcutaneous fat without having a ton of visceral fat and vice versa. This is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons you can be metabolically healthy and still be fat or be pretty lean and still be unhealthy. And while the fitness industry will often like paint a picture that all fat is unhealthy, it's not strictly right. It's just complicated. <laughs> it is a complicated topic to discuss honestly. And when you're trying to talk to people about this on social media, nobody wants to read the diatribe that I just pushed, right? Like it is, it is uh, who wants to lose five pounds in the next 21 days? And I feel gross pushing that message. I also get frustrated when I hear like, the other side of this message too. Like when Adele chose to lose weight and people railed on her for it. Also completely unacceptable. Look how you want to look, right? I hate talking about this <laughs> because it took me this long and it will never gain traction over things like keto and liver king and the carnivore diet and paleo and all this stuff <laughs> because they're catchy and easy to follow but they're also dishonest. So when I had the opportunity to train athletes, I jumped at it with both feet. I get to be a huge nerd <laughs> and tell people who want an insane amount of detail to pursue something that they love. And they often don't want quick faces. In fact, like I'm often telling athletes, don't overcomplicate things. I've never said that once to someone who's pursuing fat loss. I always get carbs make you fat, and then I have to explain that that's overly simplistic. That was my why, because I loved, I still do, love training ultra runners and athletes and people who want to push themselves and do really hard stuff and have fun doing it. And to be a better coach, I became an ultra runner. And I've actually fallen in love with trail running in the process, but there's a deeper driving why there. It's because I love what I do on a daily basis and me running really far allows me to do that better. And you should probably have a similar, like, rooted why. It doesn't have to take you 12 minutes to explain, but should be like, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is because you have depression unless you run really long distances, you feel like garbage. I don't care. Like, whatever it is, you need a purpose 
if you're going to do something hard, be it raise a family or run a business or train for an ultra, if you don't have a why, you're probably going to burn out. And again, it doesn't need to be this overarching, hard to explain why, but it needs to be a why. It really could be, I love running that much, but I often see people where that's not, not truly it. It's not the whole thing. And one of the reasons, because, and this brings us to number four, is that like feeling helpless or not having control is also going to bring you to burnout. The thing I probably say more than anything else to athletes as a coach is you're an adult. You have choices. You always have choices. And your choices have consequences. And you might not like some of the consequences. But you always have a choice. Like one fast track to burnout is to feel helpless or have a complete lack of control. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do more. Ultimately, it should mean doing less. Like... When we, we need to take control, and then we probably need to delegate a little bit. Like a little more work in the short term can save you work in the long term. You might need to enable your kids to like make some dinner if needed. Teach them to take care of themselves a little bit. When I was in charge of like night shift driving snowcats, I took training weeks in the beginning of the season very seriously. I loved driving snowcats. And I would spend the first like one to two weeks not touching a joystick and just teaching new people to drive because I knew in March when things were hitting the fan, it would pay dividends. I would have to do a lot less work and not carry a bunch of people around who could barely drive a cat, right? Make, make the, th- make the work easier for yourself in the long run by doing maybe a little more upfront. You often see people in like middle management struggle with burnout and that's because they have a very like high responsibility to control ratio. You're responsible for a lot of stuff, and you have control over very little stuff. And if that's how you feel about your training, then you're going to burn out, which is why like you always have a choice. These choices may not lead to the ends that you say you want. They might not support your stated goal, but the choice is always there. And remember, you never, ever have to run or eat, or fuel, or whatever. Which brings me to, like, five, is that we need to be honest about our goals, especially with yourself. If you want to run a sub-24-hour 100, that requires a certain amount and type of training. Some people may never get there, but it requires a certain amount and type of training to pursue that goal. Probably going to be 10 to 15-hour peak weeks, probably a good amount of speed work, you're probably going to spend a lot of time going uphill. You get to do like <laughs> VO2 max, like three minute repeats a lot for a while to like build that base speed. And then your entire weekends during your peak are going to be taken by running. And if you actually want that, that's great. I don't know if you do. And you might think so only to learn a few months later that you were wrong. And you can change your goal then. Like, as I said, I try to treat people like adults. And if you tell me, hey, I understand what this entails, and I know it's going to be a mess, but I want to do it anyway, I'm going to believe you. And when I say, hey, if you feel 
like garbage and you're drained and you have no libido and you dread every training session, you need to tell me and you say, okay, I'm also going to believe you because a coach is a guide and not a taskmaster and not, you know, you're not in prison. Nobody's forcing you to do this awesome yet absurd sport. So if you don't want to do it, don't, which is why I don't chase people down. I've done this in the past and this like, it never works out. My follow-ups um, from a business perspective are pretty minimal and it's because training for an ultra is hard and it requires a lot of work and it requires a lot of education. And one of the hardest parts about getting ready for an ultra, I think is actually the education part because you have to learn things. Like for me, I'm on call for athletes on race day. One of the last things I tell people in this like pre-race phone call is if you DNF without talking to me first, I will be frustrated. I don't care what time it is. Wake me up. And this is said to everyone from 50 to 100 milers, whatever. Because very honestly, we can probably solve most issues on the phone. Because if your brain is addled and you've just like messed up your hydration strategy a bit, then we can talk, talk you through it and figure out like how to dilute yourself back to proper sodium intake or whatever have you, right? Like we'll figure it out. But that's not always an option because ultras often happen where there is no cell phone service, which is why learning how to take care of some of this stuff yourself is essential, right? And this is why... Most coaches should teach you kind of why you're doing stuff. Like they shouldn't make you beholden to them. They should teach you about your training and why you're doing what you do so that you can have success on race day. And it's not like to be patronizing. They shouldn't like chase you down, but we're trying to create this like existent athlete. And it's a lot of work. Now, I think that a lot of people read books by people like Killian and Carnassus and Goggins, and we romanticize the hard thing. And I do that too. Like, I think we all do that. But probably means that you're going to struggle when the ultra, like, when the peak week comes. Because if you're just trying to do a hard thing, there's many ways to do that. You really got to enjoy running to train to run 50 miles. And... If you are, you're going to become like a slightly different version of yourself and you're going to learn a lot along the way. And that doesn't like happen by crossing the finish line. It happens because you just did months of training to become that person that crosses that finish line. Like I just did a 50K a few days ago. It felt good. Like it was a, it was a big deal, but I was no different Sunday morning than I was on Friday, except that my quads didn't work very well. I, it feels weird to say, because I know who I was a year ago, but like when I set out Saturday morning, it was inevitable that I was going to finish that 50K because I'd put the work in to get there. I didn't know what time I was going to get. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know the details but there was no way I wasn't going to finish it because I had done the work to become the person that was going to finish it. And that is the difficult part about all this training 
and why you have to ask yourself if you actually want the goal that you say you want. Because at some point, you're probably going to recognize that you have like habits that don't support who you want to be. And you get to choose whether you keep them or not. And you learn that by waking up often at 5 a.m. to go for a run and making that choice to do it, to get out of bed rather than stay in bed. And you learn that by not having the extra beer and instead going to bed early so you can wake up or by packing yourself a lunch so that you can actually eat after that midday run. It is okay not to run an ultra or that ultra even. You can switch it up. You need to follow goals that you actually want to follow because you are going to cha be challenged along the way and you're, you're not going to become a new person. I hate that. But you will change and you will become a slightly different version of yourself. And you need to like who you're going to become. So pick goals that are actually going to foster that human. So we need to be honest about the goals and why we're pursuing them. And then finally, six, and this is my favorite thing for burnout, is do less. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but I really think that we often try and solve what is inherently an overwork problem by trying to do more stuff. Like, we often try to solve burnout by adding more activities in our life to try to relax ourselves. If you're already busy with a 10-hour training week and a job and taking care of kids, why are we trying to add 40 collective minutes of meditation to your life? Which is what Transcendental Meditation is. It's two 20-minute sessions. That's why the number. But like, people buy into it all the time. You might not need to do that. The solution to your stress is probably not a bath bomb. Maybe it is, but it's probably not. It is probably to like take three seconds to yourself or to do less stuff throughout your day. It doesn't need to be more things on the calendar to fix your burnout. It needs to be less. And short of looking at your calendar, I'm not sure what that is, but like we need to probably have the conversation with, with partners and kids and all these things so that if we're really going to pursue these goals, everyone has to be on board. And I will say that those athletes who are successful in this sport and really hit their goals, like it's work and it's not just work for the athlete, it is work for everybody because you are going to have to give some stuff up and somebody is going to pick up the slack and the person who picks it up has to be okay with that. And you have to be okay with giving up some of it. So be okay with doing less and figure out how that fits. Cool. That's what I got for burnout. Just a quick, like, refresher. So, one, we need social connection. If you're burnout, we need to, like, find a way to have real human deep interactions with people and maintain that. Two, choose an appropriate goal that will actually allow you to become your best athlete or whatever you're trying to achieve, right? But like an appropriate goal for your ends. Three, have a purpose. Like, why are you chasing this goal? 
four, like take control. And sometimes that means delegating a little bit, but you have to have the control. Remember, you're an adult, you have choices, always. Five, like be honest about your goals, like especially with yourself. But like you need to actually care about what you're going to do. And then six, do less, give up a little bit. Esther, Will, would you like to train for triathlon? You do something different almost every day. I like that about triathlons and never really bored with it. If anybody else has questions, pop them in the chat real fast. I did once, uh, probably not a long one. I mean, one of my biggest issues with training for a try is how much time it takes. As I mean, I know you're, <laughs> I know you're well aware since you just finished your 70.3, but the amount of time it takes to get competent in all three sports, right? Like you need to not just go out and run when you have other stuff to do. You also need to bike and probably like take the bike to a hill so that you, unless you're really comfortable riding on the roads, you need to go find somewhere to swim. It is so much time to train for a try. I trained for a sprint and it was very fun, but the amount of stuff <laughs> that it requires to remove from my day in order to train for a triathlon doesn't really interest me. The sport itself does. Like, I love the diversity. I love that you get to do different stuff. But I'm more in for getting my, like, endurance fix through running in the woods. Or, like, I'd take up cycling again. I really liked cycling when I did it. But one activity to get that endurance fix. And then the diversity I would get by, like, lifting heavy and climbing and, like, doing jujitsu and some other accessory activities. But... I don't really want to train for three separate things at once. That'd be for me. But that's not true for everybody else. Obviously, people love triathlons. There are no more questions. I hope all of that was somewhat helpful. Burnout is a real thing. As we're going into winter, I think we're all going to have a little bit of time to decompress, or at least most of us. I know some people listen to this from Australia and some people listen to this from like Texas, where they're actually kind of getting into race season because it's not brutally hot anymore. But for the most part... We get to decompress a little bit, run, reset, work on our base work and lift stuff. And on that note, in like two days, I'm putting some like final touches on five different lifting programs. They're all going to be super effective. They're interchangeable. One of them will be a body weight. One of them will be a suspension trainer. One of them will be just free weights. One will be a full gym. And then one of them will be like a 15 minutes per day, choose your own adventure style thing, which is very effective it requires a little more like work on the front end but a lot less work on the back end if you are a very busy human so i'll be putting those out in a day or two keep an eye out in this group that is where i will release them first and then they will be elsewhere on facebook but because y'all are super supportive i will drop it here first if you have any other questions shoot me a message podcast version of this will be up soon hope you have a good rest of your day Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.